enjoyed this series as we've studied all of the I am statements of Christ. And today we're going to be studying the final statement, which we saw there at the end. I am the true vine. And this statement is so beautiful. It's probably my first or second favorite in all the statements um, because it's meant to encourage us and give us strength and comfort no matter what may be going on around us. And, and this passage is, is just so beautiful. And so we're just going to jump right in. I'm, listen, I'm, no frills today. We're just going to look at the word of God and we're going to let this beautiful imagery of the vine just speak to our souls, okay? That's, that's the goal for today. We're going to be in John chapter 15. And as you turn to John chapter 15, I'm going to pray. So please pray with me. Father God, we thank you and praise you for who you are. You are the great I am. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are also the great I am, and you continue to work in our lives to do so much. You've given us your Holy Spirit, and Lord, I call out to you now that your spirit would fill me, Lord. I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, and that your word would Move through my mouth, Lord, and pierce all of our hearts and would encourage us, Lord, to abide more deeply in you. And Father, we ask this in the mighty name of our King. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to break down this passage in John chapter 15. We're just going to look at the first five verses here, verses 1 through 5 of John 15, and we're going to break it down into three sections. We have the parable the purpose, and the product. So there's our outline with some nice alliteration. And before we read the text, I do want to remind us just a little context here, just so we know what's going on. Jesus is in the upper room in John chapter 15, and he has just shared a meal with his disciples, the Last Supper. And Judas has gone off to betray Christ, that's already happened, and so now, in these last few intimate moments together, Jesus is speaking truth to his disciples and encouraging them and assuring them because he knows what's up ahead. So he's giving them words of encouragement, and in the midst of that encouragement, he gives them this beautiful I am statement that we can read starting in verse 1 of John 15. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now the first thing that we need to understand is really that this I am statement while it is a statement of Christ's divinity, as all of the statements have been, I am, and it's a statement of how the Lord works ongoingly in our lives, it's also much bigger than just the I am statement. It's really a whole parable that Christ is telling here. And so it's important for us to dive into this parable and understand it the way that the disciples would have. Now, Israel was an agrarian society. They were a farming culture. 
And so there were vineyards and farms everywhere. And so the disciples would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about because they were surrounded by vineyards and vines like this. They would have understood all of these things that he was saying. And so in order to, to get it, we need to know a little something about viticulture, which is a fancy word I learned this week. I feel smarter. Viticulture. It's the cultivation of grapes. So we can all sound smart when we go to our friends, oh, you have a vine. Do you practice viticulture? And you can just kind of, it kind of rolls off the tongue, you know? And, and so viticulture, <laughs> I love saying that, um, <laughs> is all about growing grapes and having the vines and the fruit within the vine multiply through the process of grafting branches into the vine. A vine doesn't just grow up and grow all these branches on its own. A vine dresser would graft the branches into the vine. And a branch that formerly did not bear fruit or was just a tiny little sapling would now be fed by the healthy vine and over time would be grafted in and bear fruit. And the grafting was accomplished in two phases. There was two phases to the grafting. First was the outward structural graft that would take place where the bark of the vine and the bark of the branch would grow together and the outer part of the branch would be grafted in. And then secondly, and far more importantly, would be the inner graft that takes place where the vascular structure of the branch, the inner part of the branch, would be grafted in to the inner part of the vine. Two phases to the grafting, very important as we go through this little parable. So this is the imagery that Jesus is drawing upon as he tells his remaining disciples that he is the true vine. But if you read this, the word that jumps out at me in these first couple of uh, words here is true. Why the true vine? Why not just, I am the vine, like he says later on? I am the true vine. Well, any, any Jew who heard teaching using vine imagery would have immediately been reminded of certain Old Testament passages. For example, Psalm 80, verse 8 says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Or Jeremiah 2.21, yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. And there are several other Old Testament passages like this as well. See, Israel, Israel, the chosen people of God, was the first vine. God's chosen people were supposed to be the means through which the world heard the truth of the gospel, of a Messiah that would be sent to save the world, and that they would put their faith in Yahweh to save them. That was what Israel's purpose was supposed to be. Yet Jeremiah 2.21 continues, and it says, How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? See, Israel had not fulfilled its call to be a blessing to the nations. That's what Israel was supposed to do. 
and it failed. And so therefore, God sent his son, who was the true vine. So we see Jesus is, is playing on this metaphor that God has used from way back in the Old Testament. It's been there, but now Jesus is clarifying and saying, I am the true vine. True in the Greek refers to that which is real as opposed to that which is merely just a, a fake or a type. It's, it's genuine as opposed to counterfeit. So that's what true means. Jesus is the real deal. He's the real McCoy. He's not just some poor man's version of the vine. He is the one true vine who life flows from. And the one who does the grafting into the vine is the vine dresser. That's the job of the vine dresser. The vine dresser does the grafting. And Jesus tells us right up front that the vine dresser is God the Father. He's the one who is overseeing the vineyard and making sure that his kingdom, his, his vineyard, is bearing fruit. That's the job of the vine dresser. And the way that the vine dresser makes sure that all the branches are bearing fruit is by properly maintaining them. And so verse 2 explains, and we can look down there and see it, that branches that don't bear fruit are taken away. In the Greek, that literally means lifted up. They are lifted up. And branches that do bear fruit are pruned so that they can bear more fruit. Now again, understanding about viticulture helps us here because grafting involved two steps, right? The outward grafting and the inward grafting, the outer part of the branch into the vine and the inner part of the branch into the vine. So what could happen is that a branch could be in a vine structurally, the outward part of it, and yet not produce any fruit because the inner life of the branch had not been joined into the vine. Do we see the significance of this in this, in this metaphor here? In such instances, when that would happen, the vine dresser would lift up the branch to try to reposition it in the trellis in the hopes that more light would get to it and the different position would give it an opportunity to actually have its inner part grafted into the vine. This is, this is what it, it to, to translate it take away is actually, it, it can mean that, but it's more accurate to say it's lifted up. So we got to see though that just because the branch was in the vine doesn't mean that it was drawing life from the vine. This is a critical distinction that Jesus is trying to make here. When Jesus says, every branch in me, in verse 2, he isn't using the phrase in me in the same sense that Paul does all throughout his writings when he talks about those who are in Christ. When Paul talks about those who are in Christ, he's talking about those who have put their faith in Christ, who have submitted to him, and who have become co-heirs with Christ. When Jesus uses the phrase in me here, he's just using a metaphor of vine and branches. And he's 
making the distinction between those branches that abide in him with the inner graft that receive life and those that don't abide in him regardless of what they might look like on the outside. Remember, Judas had just left to go to the authorities to betray Jesus. That just happened. Judas was with Jesus for his entire ministry just about. Outwardly looked no different than any of the other 11 disciples, and yet Judas had not been grafted in internally. He had not submitted to, by faith, the true vine. So this is what Jesus is getting at here. He's, he's not talking about branches that had been grafted in and then all of a sudden stopped bearing fruit and, oh, we've got to rip them out and throw them away. That's, that's not what Jesus is talking about. There's, either, there's branches that abide or don't abide, and that's it. And he's, the vine dresser is going to give those non-abiding branches every opportunity to become abiding branches. That's, I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. That's an amen. A rather weak amen. Let me hear it again. That's an amen. amen. There we go. That our vine dresser lifts us up. And only after he has exhausted all other outlets do we see that he does take the branch away and replace it with a branch that will bear fruit. That does happen. But God gives the vine and the branch every opportunity to abide. But we also need to see that even if the branch does bear fruit, the fruit has to be pruned. There's going to be some pruning that's going on. And again, I think it's interesting how the vine dressers, they pruned these branches. You see, throughout the growing season, a healthy branch wouldn't just produce fruit, but it would also grow. Kind of makes sense, right? And a healthy branch in a very wet and uh, rainy growing season could grow as long as 10 feet in a single season. And so what the vine dresser would have to do is after the fruit was harvested, they couldn't allow the branch to be that long because that takes up all the sap. And so they would cut the branch all the way back, all the way back, so that all of that sap wouldn't be wasted on the length of the branch. It could go to the fruit. But here's what would happen. If, if a branch wouldn't be pruned, what they could do is they could actually get down to the ground and they could put out their own suckers and try to become their own vine. That's what happens to an unpruned branch. So the vine dressers, they would do this after every growing season. After the harvest, they would prune the branches back and this assured that the branch would continue to rely on the vine for all of its strength, all of its life. See, it's when as little of the branch was left as possible, just enough to bear the weight of the fruit, that's when the largest and best fruit was produced. Because all of the life, all of the sap, was going to producing the fruit as opposed to just feeding the length of the branch. 
Now, I hope, I hope you're seeing the correlation here between vines and branches and the spiritual life. I mean, Jesus is a master teacher. You can understand why I didn't need to do any illustrations at all. This is just so vivid for us. How many of us try to become our own vines at times? Or how many of us are spread so thin that the fruit that we produce isn't what God is calling us to produce? It's just a, it's just a mere taste of what the true fruit could be because we're spread so thin. The branch is just so long and there's so many different shoots coming out of it. I'm just going to be the first one to put my hand up and say that I, I have felt convicted by this all week. <laughs> because as branches, it's really easy for us to try to expand in all kinds of different directions and try to envelop all of those things that we want to have, isn't it? And kind of go our own way and do our own thing. Become vines of our own. Pursuing the things that we want, putting our hopes and dreams in things other than the vine itself, our jobs, our families, our hobbies, our sports teams, our political candidate, and the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, how many of you can relate to doing that, where you're kind of going after something else as a branch instead of just, just growing up the trellis and producing fruit? And so our master vine dresser, he has to prune his branches. And he cuts us back when we get overextended. He, he cuts out the parts of us that threaten to make us self-reliant and, and think that we can become our own vines. He redirects us away from the things that threaten to steal our attention from the, the task of producing fruit. And after seasons of producing abundant fruit... He reigns us in so that we can rest and be rejuvenated by the vine in preparation for the next growing season. How many of you know that there's cycles in life where you feel like, wow, things are going so great. I see so much fruit being produced. And then, whoosh, wow, where'd that come from? Why, God? And he's like, it's for your own good, little branch. You're getting too long. Got to cut you back here. Just trust me, it's going to be good. Hebrews 12, 11 says, For the moment, all pruning seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I want us to see in verse 3 that the pruning instrument that the vine dresser uses is the word of God. Did you catch that in verse 3? He cleanses us with his word. Just to see that there. It's the word of God that God uses to do the pruning in our hearts, in our minds. Right? It's the word of God that's living and active, sharper than what? Two-edged sword, right? Piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, so when we're in those spaces, when we're in those places where, where we feel squeezed or, or we feel like we're out of control, things aren't going our way, 
when we just feel dry or we feel convicted over something. And then we go through those, those places of, of disciplining and correction. It's in those moments when the Lord will bring the word of God to bear and that will come in and that will just show us what's coming out of our hearts so that the word of God can just get rid of it and help us to be freed from that so that we can continue to produce amazing, abundant fruit to the glory of God for our vine dresser. That's how pruning works. But we need to see that when the branch is pruned and brought back to the vine, though its length has just been shortened, through every growing season, the thickness of the vine increases. And it continues to get thicker and thicker and thicker so that in the next growing season, it can bear the weight of even more fruit and bear the weight of even more fruit and more fruit. That's how it works. So yeah, we might not be as long as we want to be, but we are thick and durable and strong because we've gone through this pruning cycle that the word of God works in us. That's what happened with vines in Israel, and that's what happens in our own heart as the Lord prunes us. But that fruit, that fruit is only produced when the branch abides in the vine. And that's really what this I am statement is all about. The purpose, the purpose of this statement is to remind us that Jesus is God, I am, and that he is the source of all of our strength, all of our hope, all of our peace, all of our joy. Every, every single good and perfect thing comes from him when we abide in him. Let's read verses four and five. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, if I were you, I hope you brought your Bible. I would circle the word abide all the times that you see it in there. Between verses 4 and 10, it appears 10 times. 10 times in these couple of verses. You think, you think Jesus is trying to tell us something here. You think he's trying to get our attention with this. The Greek word abide, it describes something that just remains where it is. It just, it just remains. It just stays. It endures. And it has, a, it has a connotation of enjoying the place where it is. I picked a picture of a couple just watching a sunset together because I feel like that is a good image of what it means to abide. Just sitting and enjoying and being at rest as you remain and see the sun go down. 
Biblically, to abide in Christ means to remain in an unbroken communion with and reliance upon Jesus. That's, that's what it means to abide in Jesus. Of course, for some of us, it's like, that still doesn't help me at all. I still don't get what abiding is. I, I'm with you. So I did some more viticulture study, and I learned what a branch does when it abides in a vine. And so I'm just taking some application from that, and I give five, five ways that a branch abides in a vine. Five ways that a branch abides in a vine. Number one, first and foremost, and this really is the foundational one, all the others flow from this. A branch abides in the vine by seeing itself as one with the vine. See, a branch's identity is fully found in the vine. A branch has the same life as the vine, the same nature as the vine, the same spirit as the vine, the same physical location as the vine, the same work as the vine to produce fruit. It, it, everything that the vine is, the branch is. The branch has no identity apart from the vine. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature." having escaped from the corruption that is the, in the world because of sinful desires. When, when the branch looks at itself, it simply sees itself as an extension of the vine. It doesn't say, well, I'm a branch separate and apart from the vine. It's like, no, I am just an extension of the vine. My identity is literally rooted in the vine. That's who I am. And the more that we're able to remain in our identity as children of God, united with Christ, the more deeply that we will be abiding in him. But secondly, a branch abides in the vine by depending on the vine. Andrew Murray, he wrote an excellent little devotional on this passage. I would encourage you to pick it up. It's called The True Vine. He was really creative with the title. And it gives some excellent insight into just being a branch on the vine. And he wrote this in his little devotional. The vine has its store of life and sap and strength, not for itself, but for the branch. And the branches have nothing but what the vine provides and imparts. The believer is called to, and it is his highest blessedness to enter upon a life of entire and unceasing dependence upon Christ. As a branch, we can't try to become our own vine. We want to, don't we? I mean, that's the temptation. 
but we just need to learn more and more to depend on the vine. Trust him. That's where our strength comes from. That's where our help comes from. And the more that we depend on the vine and rely on the vine instead of our own strength, our own understanding, our own ability, our own whatever, the more that we'll be abiding in the vine. Third, a branch abides in the vine by placing all of its confidence and hope in the vine. See, a branch, a branch doesn't have to worry about anything so long as it remains abiding in the vine. You ever think about that? I mean, no matter what storms may rage around it, no matter what thieves may come to steal the fruit, no matter what drought may afflict the land, as long as that branch is abiding in the vine, it's going to receive everything it needs to do what it's supposed to do. And that's the same sort of confidence and hope that we have in our vine, the true vine, because we know that he who promises is faithful. His promises that he has given us, we can, we can take those to the bank, depend on them no matter what. It's not... It's not our place to try to struggle and to get what the vine wants to freely give us. Abiding shouldn't be a struggle at all in terms of just remaining. There's going to be hard times we go through, but abiding is a peaceful rest as we have our confidence and hope in the vine. Psalm 46.10 says, be still, stop striving, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That is the vine that we abide in, that we can rest in and be still in. To abide means to have confidence and hope in the promises and provision of our God. But fourth, a branch abides in the vine by staying submitted to the vine. So long as the branch remains connected to the vine and doesn't get too large and try to become a vine on its own, it will be fed the life-giving sap of the vine and produce fruit. And number three and four, they're closely connected. But, but this one is about, really about control about letting the vine be in control. The branch says, all right, vine, vine dresser, yeah, you guys, just, just do your thing. You're in control. Take it. I'm just a branch, just producing fruit. Just, just look at me, producing fruit. Here I go, just, you know, just remaining right here, producing fruit. Yay, fruit. Viticulture. Good. Yes, you're awake. The more that we learn to submit and let the vine be in control, the more that we will be abiding. And finally, a branch abides in the vine by remaining 
fixated, focused, right on the vine. Its attention isn't moved from the vine because it knows that that vine is where its life comes from. In verse 5, you might not have seen this before. In verse 5, Jesus repeats, he repeats, I am the vine. You can see that right there. And then he says, you are the branches. But he repeats, I am the vine. And this is the only part of the metaphor that he repeats through this entire little pericope. It's another fun little smart word you can use. It just means a section of reading, a section of text, a pericope. This pericope here has one repeat, and that is, I am the vine. Jesus really, really wants us to understand that we have to remain fixed and focused on him as we abide in him. The truth of what Christ has done for us and is continuing to do in us should stay fixed in our minds at all times. The fact that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and died and overcame sin and death so that we might have life should be a truth that remains with us no matter what. The fact that Jesus Christ transforms us every day through his Holy Spirit, active and filling us and empowering us and guiding us, should stay at the forefront of our minds. The fact that we have been invited into the work of Christ to be a part of this fruit production I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing that we get to be branches, isn't it? I mean, how exciting is that? We have a purpose. We produce grapes. All kinds of different grapes. That's awesome. And oh, by the way, the vine dresser and the vine, they're going to cover the entire earth one day when Jesus comes back and he restores his kingdom and this entire world is just one glorious vineyard? Huh? How awesome is that going to be? The Garden of Eden is going to be this amazing place that is dwarfed by, you know, the new heaven and the new earth. It's, I don't even have the words. It's viticulture, you know? It's, <laughs> lots of that will be going on. And it's going to be glorious, right? We've got to see that abiding means letting every part of us, our heart, soul, mind, and strength, remain rooted in Christ. Lest, lest any of us become discouraged, I just want to say that, that this isn't something that we need to strive after. When a branch is abiding in the vine, the sap just flows into the vine, uh, from the vine into the branch through no effort of the branches. So if you think this isn't something that you know how to do, that you're not doing very well, here's a, a bit of encouragement. No branch starts off producing giant Concord grapes right away. Are those the big ones? I just totally pulled that out of the air. I don't even know. No? Oh, okay. I tried. It was, you know, I tried. That is a type of grape, right? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh. So, 
No, no branch just produces fruit right from the get-go. It starts off as a wee little sapling and just grows over time as it goes through seasons of growth and pruning, as the Lord lifts it up and makes sure that it's abiding and receiving the life-giving sap. By the way, you might have thought, I hope you did by now, well, what's the sap? What, what is that anyway? Well, in verse 7, and we didn't read it, but you can look at it, he says that we're to abide in the word. And in verses 9 and 10, he says that we're to abide in his love. Abiding in the word of God, abiding in the love of God. And all throughout the New Testament, Scripture talks about our being filled and empowered by who? The Holy Spirit. So we have the Son who's divine. We have the Father who's the vine dresser. Well, where's the Holy Spirit? There he is. He is the life that flows through the vine into the branches and produces amazing, glorious fruit as he helps us to focus on the word of God as we're pruned by it and remain fixated on God's amazing love. We sang some beautiful songs about God's love today. It's so important that we're reminded of that. God loves us. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Amen. But ultimately... The product of our abiding is the fruit. And this is what the vine dresser is after. He wants us to be producing as much fruit as possible. The parable is told for the purpose of abiding so that fruit would be produced. There's only one purpose for a branch. We got one thing to do. And we don't even need to try to do it. It just happens naturally when we abide. But our purpose is to produce fruit. And I want us to see the progression in the text here. This is a a fun little progression. Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he lifts up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. And then in verse 5, Whoever abides in me and I am in him, he it is that bears much fruit. We see the progression there? From no fruit to fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit. This is the progression that the vine dresser takes every single branch through, or at least he desires to. The vine dresser calls all of us to ultimately bear much fruit as we abide more and more deeply in Jesus. And if at the end of the day we aren't abiding in that inner life, Regardless of how we might look on the outside, if that inner life isn't abiding, well, then the branch is ultimately removed and made room for another branch. But that's not really our concern. Our concern is to focus on abiding and asking the Lord to help us abide, to fill us with his spirit. But, but we, we can't falter under the expectation of producing fruit. See, there's there's a tremendous danger in trying to produce fruit by your own strength. 
Because there's all kinds of godly things that we can do. But if we, if we don't rely on the sap of the vine to help us, well, we're just going to mess it all up. Because the fruit that's produced is not, I want us to see this, isn't for the branch or the vine to enjoy. The fruit that's produced is for the vine dresser and whoever he shares it with. You ever see a vine or a branch eat its own fruit? No, it doesn't work that way. Someone else comes along and benefits from it just, just by being there. But when we try to take matters into our own hands and try to do our own thing, the fruit that's produced isn't godly fruit. It's just man-made. It's like artificial plastic fruit that no one wants. You might be fooled by it the first time you put it in the mouth and take a bite, but then it's like, oh my goodness, plastic fruit. I don't want this. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by what? My spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That is what we are to rely upon and abide in and recognize that fruit will be produced for others to enjoy. You might wonder what fruit looks like. Well, I'm just going to run through this. But very briefly, and I would encourage you to study this on your own, Scripture describes several different types of fruit that we can see. There's the inner fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And love is evidenced by joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Galatians 5. There's the inner fruit of praise and worship and thanksgiving. How often are you just overcome with the sense like, wow, <laughs> Praise you, God, just because you're awesome and for no other reason. That is fruit that the Spirit is producing within us. And that's good fruit that we are filled with a spirit of praise and worship and thanksgiving for our God. There's the outward fruit of our works of light pushing back the darkness. Ephesians 5 talks about this. And we have the fruit of making disciples and evangelizing. All of these things are fruit that is produced in us as we abide in Christ, as the Holy Spirit flows into us. And this is what we should expect to see produced through us as we abide in the vine. And, and I, I say the word through us very intentionally. We should see it produced through us because we're not the ones doing it. It's the vine who produces the fruit, fruit through us as we just remain in him. And we go through the seasons of growing and pruning and getting thicker and stronger that we could bear more fruit, hardier fruit. And so the next time people are freaking out over an election or a job is lost or health is in jeopardy or your boyfriend breaks up with you, or someone else gets the promotion, or your team loses, or you're at your wit's end with your kids, just remember the words of our king. I am the true vine. You are the branches. Abide in me 
bear much fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.